0: and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life.
1: This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. have have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do do all things through Christ 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 who gives me the strength. strength. The day my mind is alert, my my spirit is receptive. receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, God. my life is changed for the better. better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. My father said at 9 a.m. that he has believed all of his life, Philippians 4.19 is true. But after walking through 2020, now he really believes that Philippians 4.19 is true. That in the midst of all of this going on, what the Word of God says is true. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to your, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The word of God is true. Today's message is entitled, Seven Things Satan Doesn't Want Us to Know About Money. Seven Things Satan Doesn't Want You to Know About Money. And we're in 2 Corinthians 9 walking through what the Apostle Paul taught. And we can learn great insight from this. And if you read the letters to the church at Corinth, as I mentioned last week, you read 1 Corinthians, this was a church that was plagued by many issues fighting, bickering, division, services out of control, the spiritual gifts being misused, sexual immorality, idolatry. They had a lot of problems. Paul wrote again, we don't have that letter. We then have the next letter he wrote called 2 Corinthians. And they had made a lot of progress between the writing of those two letters. And he writes commending them about many things, one of them being their generosity. And if you read Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, you'll discover that the eastern churches in Macedonia had given to be a blessing to the western churches. And now they were doing planned and arranged offerings to be a blessing to the eastern churches. We know that the church of Corinth, it was in a major metropolitan city. So this church also would have been more blessed than some of the churches in the East. Now, number one today is that the Apostle Paul planned and arranged offerings. He planned and arranged offerings. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse one, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know of your eagerness to help and have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them, that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm, say "Enthusiasm." enthusiasm. Enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but yet you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So we see that Paul planned and arranged offerings. And he's basically writing here at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 9 saying, now is the time to complete what you promised. Now is the time to take the action you said you would take, now is the time that you need to make your word come to pass. And part of walking in faith, part of walking with God, part of walking in the blessing of God is being men and women of our word and making our word come to pass. Now, when it comes to giving and offerings, we ought not act religious. We ought not act religious about working God's plan and about God's plan to fund his work his mission in his house. Tell your neighbors, say, don't act religious. Don't act religious. Tell your other neighbors, say, don't act, don't act religious. You know, when people talk, and I'm not talking about someone who's 80 years old, your grandmother or grandpa, but when someone my age talks in the King James English, you know that's bogus. You know that's superficial. And when people get offended about giving and generosity and the work of the kingdom of God, whatever it is, to pay for outreaches to pay for crusades, to pay for missions, to pay for buildings, inevitably, inevitably, at the end of the day, you, you find out that they themselves are not a doer of the Word of God. They themselves are not working the plan of God, and they themselves are not generous. That's why we tell the young people, when you date someone, date them long enough to get to know them. And part of knowing someone is knowing not just whether or not they're a true believer, but knowing whether or not they are generous. You know, if a young man or young woman is not generous with God, they're not going to be generous with the spouse. So don't don't act religious, and don't act religious about offerings. Judas, who was the one who betrayed Jesus, Judas was offended when a woman, and she would have done this as led by the Lord in preparation for what Jesus was about to experience. Judas was offended when a woman anointed Jesus for his burial. And what was her offering? It was perfume, a fragrance worth about a year's wages. Judas acted religious and said, well, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. But the apostle Apostle John, excuse me, the apostle John tells us in John 12 and verse six, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Say say a thief. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So see, the way Judas acted and what he said seemed all oh so religious, but it really revealed what was going on in his heart and in his life. And a short time later, he would sell, he would betray Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, for 30 pieces of silver, which today is worth maybe a few hundred dollars. And you go to the Old Testament, you find out that 30 pieces of silver was the price, the value for a slave. He sold Jesus out for that. He was the treasurer, but he was a thief. And he was, John tells us, always helping himself to what was put into the money bag. So he acted religious, but it was all a show. He had some things to say, but it was all a show. As I prepared for today, I was reminded of something that happened maybe about eight years ago. It would have been 2010 or 11 or 12, and we were planning to do a youth outreach concert. And as a part of that, Planet Shakers was going to be here, and we were just gonna do a youth outreach as an opportunity for youth to come to invite their friends to do an invitation and for young people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and do anything. There is a cost to have them come from Australia to to, to cover the sound equipment, all that needs to happen. There is a cost and whatever that was, 20,000, 30,000, there was a cost. And so before that event, We simply raised the money to cover it so it would be handled, so it wouldn't cost the church a thing. And in doing that, my father mentioned what he was going to contribute. I mentioned what I was going to contribute, not to brag, not to boast, simply to set the example in participation. You understand. But I remember there was a Sunday, I think it was at 11 a.m., and there was some new people I didn't recognize. And again, we rehearsed that during the offering time. No big deal. But I remember when I I got to my parents that day for lunch, I had a nasty, nasty email waiting for me on my phone. Somebody angry, somebody upset. You you shouldn't do that. And then, of course, you know, I'm curious sometimes, so I I Google an email and look someone up. Well, there's someone supposed to be in the ministry. Well, if anyone should understand these things, it should be someone that would claim to be in the, the ministry, but angry, upset. Not saying, great job, I enjoyed the day, I got my answer, got a lot out of it. I'm angry, upset. And the phrase they used was, well, Jesus said, Jesus said, our giving should be done in secret. Well, again, this is just biblical ignorance. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talked about not boasting about your giving and letting giving be done in secret, he was talking about almsgiving, which is giving to the poor. And I know that this is a message for our generation because you know, we think something's not real or it didn't happen if it's not on Instagram or Facebook. But if there's a family in need and God moves on your heart to be a blessing to them, you don't have to advertise it on Facebook. You don't have to say, well, so-and-so's in need, this family's in need, and I did this, I did that, or let's do this, let's do that, because that would actually bring shame and humiliation to them. That would be embarrassing to them. It is a temporary, hopefully temporary situation. And so Jesus said our almsgiving, our almsgiving should be done how? In secret. Because we get the credit from who? Who sees it? Who rewards us? So I don't have to put everything on Facebook and Instagram. Amen? I was in North Arlington a few weeks ago and was putting dry cleaning in the car and a man walked up behind me and I knew when I saw him that he was going to tell me about his troubles. The Lord put it on my heart to be a blessing. I don't have to put it online, amen? I don't have to do an Instagram post. It happened whether I post about it or not, amen? But the reality is Old Testament and New Testament in the church to fund the work of God, to fund God's house, you see public offerings, you see planned offerings, you see arranged offerings, and examples where people did things publicly. In David's life, he and his mighty men did things publicly publicly. So, so tell your neighbors, say, don't act religious. Tell your other neighbors, say, don't don't act religious. That, that, that's why when you young people dating, you, you find someone and they say they're Christian this, Christian that. If they just take one look at my father and they, they're angry, you got a real problem. Or not to use us in his example, but you know, one of the nicest people I know is Pastor Joel Osteen. But if you're dating someone and they, th- they, hate him, they hate him, the Houston smiling preacher, that, that is an indication you you got someone with a real heart problem. And again, do you want to be yoked to someone that doesn't believe in the blessing of God? Do you want to be yoked to someone that doesn't believe in the favor of God? Do you want to be yoked to someone that doesn't believe in the supernatural provision of God? Number two, in your life, in your life, say in my life, You determine the size of your harvest. You determine the size of your harvest. Now, this morning, we're applying this to giving, but this applies to every area of life. You determine your harvest. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In your life, you determine your harvest. Pastor said at 9 a.m. in our culture, the conversation has shifted from equality of opportunity to equality of results well results cannot be guaranteed we get out of life what we put into it and what happens in life has everything to do with the the choices we make the decisions we make this is why pastor and I and pastor Sue and youth minister Aaron Wood we we counsel the young people to do things God's way in the right order to finish their education to wait for marriage, to get married, then have children. Amen? Because just doing things in the right order makes a huge difference. Just this past week, I was rehearsing to my oldest high school class here at St. Paul's that when my sister was growing up in high school, she had a friend and her father just did not set the rules that should have been set. And so he, he would let a young man come over and stay at the house, you're just asking for trouble. You are just asking for trouble. Well, well, Austin, he, he seems real spiritual. I bet you're just asking for trouble. You're just asking for a problem. And this friend, she was gifted in athletics. She was gifted in sports. She got a full ride scholarship to college. But again, there was a relationship going on in her life that wasn't right. And so for this relationship that wasn't right, she gave up her full scholarship. She gave up her college education. And again, this young man was trouble, so he was never faithful. He was not a provider. They ended up having to live with family. To this day, that's still the situation. And when he stepped into eternity, he was in the car with someone else. Trouble, 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 trouble trouble the result of wrong decisions that's why we say god's way is higher than our way amen his way is better than our way and in our lives we determine our harvest and i know when we talk about things like saving money that's not everybody's favorite topic not everybody takes a victory lap around the church glory to god hallelujah amen but see, if you start taking action at your level and where you're at and start saving money, start investing, start practicing good stewardship, well, 10 years down the road, you're going to have a better result. But what if you don't do anything? Or what if you keep just doing what you've been doing? And so in your life, you determine your harvest. Say, I determine my harvest. And so this is true in giving. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. But this is true in every area of life. I said last Sunday that every seed produces after its own kind and so the seeds we sow determine the kind of harvest we have coming back. And so in our lives if we don't like the harvest, well, I don't know Austin why no one's nice to me. Well, you need to sow some seeds of being nice and being kind and sowing encouraging words and encouraging others and lifting others up. We, we reap whatever we sow. And the harvest, the harvest is always greater than the seed. Now think about this. If we sow righteousness, what are we going to reap a harvest of? But if we sow disobedience or doing things our own way or doing things the world's way, or lying, cheating, conniving, stealing, whatever it is, well, what kind of harvest is coming back? Not a good one. So in our lives, we determine a harvest. Number three, seven things Satan doesn't want us to know. And again, well, why does Satan not want us to know these things? He wants us to have no ability in the body of Christ. I saw this week that Sony Entertainment bought PureFlix. And PureFlix, excuse me, PureFlix, have trouble saying it, PureFlix was a Christian company that had its own streaming service, I guess to compete with Netflix to show clean entertainment. Well, they got, they got bought out by Sony Entertainment. How, how come we don't hear stories about Christian families and business owners buying out worldly businesses? Well, I'm tired of the garbage they're putting on Netflix, so I'm buying it to fix it. How come there's no story like that in the news? See, Satan doesn't want the body of Christ to have any ability. You know, our our kids like to watch VeggieTales. I can only handle so much. Amen. (laughs) And for you parents, you know, the really old VeggieTales, there's a lot of biblical content. But the new stuff, they they were watching one the other week, and it was about pirates on the seas. I don't think there was any Bible in that. Well, it's become more secular over time, and it's still a lot better than other things. I understand that. You know, they they like the pirate one, even though there's not much scripture in it, whatever. But again, how come it's not the opposite? How come you don't hear about Christian families and Christian men and Christian women buying secular companies so they stop putting out garbage and they start putting out things that are moral and edifying? See, Satan doesn't want us to have any ability. So we have no influence. We have no voice. And we can't be a force of good in the world. Number three, your giving won't work without joy. The the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is health to your body. It is medicine to your bones. The the joy of the Lord. And that's why what's going on in our society is so terrible. Everywhere you go, you don't know whether people are happy, whether they're sad, whether they're they're joyful, or it's the, the worst day of their lives. It's taken all of the emotion out of everything. It's taken all of the personality out of everything and if it's bad for us as adults what is going to be the long-term effect and consequences on children and their personalities i see passing people on the way up here to the church in their car by themselves but but i see even people driving around with kids in the car making their their children wear masks while they're in the car with their their parents How, how is this going to affect this generation but the joy of the lord smile and say the joy of the lord Lord. that that say "That's that's my strength and so you can't let anything steal your joy you can't let anyone steal your joy and there's this amazing feature on these these new phones see technology can be used for good amen you can block someone you're Austin, is it walking in love if I block a relative? Well, it's walking in love if you block them and don't tell them, amen. You can block someone, amen. You, you gotta keep all the joy thieves out of your life. And when we do anything that we do for God or the kingdom of God, we ought to do it with joy. And that includes our giving. So we ought to give joyfully. We ought to give cheerfully. Verse seven, each man or woman... Should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful, amen? Happy. And you can be cheerful and joyful and happy when you know, as we learned last week, that God's plan is designed to cost us nothing. When you obey God, when you do things God's way, when you live life God's way, when you handle your finances God's way, long term, it's going to pay off. Long-term, you're going to pull ahead. Long-term, God's going to make it up to you. Long-term, the harvest is far greater than the seed. And so we can give cheerfully and joyfully and happy and do anything that we do for God that way, cheerfully. Amen? You got to reach the conclusion that the Apostle John was right, that the commands of God are not burdensome. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. They're for our good, for our benefit. Number four, God will supply and increase your store of seed. Verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, say, that's me. And when you're a sower, he'll give you seed to sow. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed. He'll supply, he'll increase your store of seed. Again, his his system is designed to cost us nothing. And so when we prove ourselves to be sowers, when we prove ourselves to be generous, he'll give us seed to sow, he'll enable us to give it, and then over time, he'll supply and increase our store of seed. That is our ability to give. That is our capacity for giving. But you have to have a store of seed. You have to have a store of seed. Now, I, I don't think anyone needs to hear this, but if you don't have a bank account, you probably need a bank account. Amen. And I know you may be real, un, not trusting of what's going on, but uh, have a place beside your backyard or under your mattress. Amen. You got to have a store of seed for God to bless. If you don't have a savings account, open up a savings account. Don't have accounts for children, open up accounts for children and, and grandchildren. You might say, Austin, I, I can only put $5 in. I, I can only put $100 in. Something is better than nothing, and you got to give God something to bless. So take action. Have a store of seed for him to bless and increase. Now, is one store of seed better than, say, five stores of seed? See, we, we, we've got to expand our vision. We've got to think bigger. We've got to stop limiting God. And over time, as you work his plan, over time, as you're generous, over time, as you're a blessing, he will supply and increase your store of seed. That is your capacity for giving. I know Jessica and I feel this way. I know many of the other young people and couples our age probably feel the same way, that That when we were teenagers, we we never envisioned being able to do what we do now and today. That, That is the blessing of God. He increases our store of seed. He increases our capacity and our ability over time as we prove ourselves faithful, as we work his plan. Number five, sowing and reaping will not hurt your righteousness level. Sowing and reaping, God's plan, will not hurt your righteousness level. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Say righteousness. It is a righteous thing to work his plan. It is a righteous thing to walk in his blessing. It is a righteous thing to have your needs met, to have plenty left over so you can be a blessing. During the video announcements, we'll announce that one of the things we're doing between now and the end of the year is giving you the opportunity to give Christmas gifts so in December, the various outreaches, they can be given to children in need. See, that's what the blessing of the Lord is about. Amen? Our needs being met, our bills being paid, us having plenty left over, us having enough for our family and our children, but plenty left over so we can be a blessing to people we don't even know so we can be a blessing to them their family and their children that's what the blessing of god is all about and that is a righteous thing and if you think about it the opposite need 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 lack 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 not enough not enough no ability see that that's where satan wants everyone bound and that's not righteous that's not edifying to God. That's not glorifying to God. He wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So it's a lie of Satan that if we enter into the blessing of God, we'll backslide. It's a lie of Satan that if we enter into his blessing that we'll, we'll backslide and our hearts will drift away from God. No, our harvest of righteousness will be Enlarged. Proverbs 15 and verse 6 says, The house of the righteous contains great treasure. The house of who? I, I know the, those wicked people. I, I know the, those government politicians that have paid themselves all year. The house of who? The house of the righteous contains great treasure. But the income of the wicked brings them trouble. See, it is a righteous thing to care not just about yourself, but about the kingdom of God. It is a righteous thing to want to prosper and to have more so you can be a blessing to your family and to your children and to the kingdom of God and to missions and to outreach and to those in need. That is a righteous thing. An unrighteous thing is to care only about yourself. An unrighteous thing is to say, well, I'm good and I'm not going to aspire to do more, or to have more because I just care about myself. See, that is unrighteous. Righteous, The house of the righteous. The house of who? The righteous contains great treasure. See, it doesn't say the house of the righteous does without. The house of the righteous in need or in lack. It says the house of the righteous contains great treasure. Number six, it is God's will that you be abundantly supplied. What's abundance? More than enough. Amen? Abundance is not paying every bill and there being like .01 cents left over. That is not the abundance of God. His abundance, Him, you being amply supplied is having your every need met with plenty left over. You will be made rich in how many ways? In every way so you can be generous on how many occasions? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Mentioned 3 John 2D last week. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even As thy soul prospers. Jesus said in John 10:10 the thief, who's the thief? Satan, the devourer. The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it how? More abundantly. Because of what he did, we have eternal life in the next life, but we walk in the abundant life in this life. And so we ought to walk in it. God wants us to be amply, abundantly supplied so that we can be a blessing. And you don't have to be afraid of being a blessing because whatever you do for the kingdom of God, God will replace and God will multiply. Whatever it is, whatever it is. If you need clothes, you need new clothes, you need better clothes, you need nicer clothes, give some clothes away, amen? Give them away, give them away. Give them away before they're worn out. You know, as time goes by, I just have to follow fewer and fewer people. You know, at some point this year, a minister's daughter was selling clothes and stuff on Instagram. There's no faith in that. Give it away. Give it away. Be a blessing. Because every seed produces after its own kind. Amen? The time you spend setting up outside, the time you spend you or your wife outside trying to make $50, hoping people drive by, putting up signs, driving down the road, putting up signs, or worse, putting it on Facebook and having strangers come to your house, you could just sow it. You could just give it and be a blessing, and then you got a harvest coming back. Number seven, people around the world will thank God for your generosity and your prosperity. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. You know, it's a lie of the enemy that we're all on our own and nobody cares about you and nobody's thinking about you and it's just you and you're alone and on your own. There are people all around the world today and they are thankful for us. And they are thankful for Faith Christian Center. And they are thankful for Pastors Gene and Sue. And they are thankful for our generosity. You know in Mombasa today they're they're, they're having a church that's there and the roof is on their church because of Faith Christian Center's generosity. I rehearsed to you last week that Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth told my father that, that they've had many, many people in churches cut back on them this year. But Faith Christian Center, we just kept giving what we've been giving. We're having him come in January. We're we're not cutting back on anything, amen? And so I'm sure today, at some point, he's going to think of us and Faith Christian Center and think happy thoughts, amen? And what we do in December, there will be children and they will be thankful for our generosity. And we won't even know how thankful people are until we get to eternity and we're in heaven, and somebody walks up to us and says, thank you. I remember about maybe two years ago, we found out that Tiff Shuttlesworth was going to go do an illegal crusade in Pakistan. Who would have thought in 2020 in America, there are places where you could now do an illegal outdoor crusade, an outdoor event, amen? But he was doing an illegal crusade in Pakistan at great risk. But we gave, see, we're going to meet people in eternity that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at that meeting because of your and our generosity. But it is overflowing in many expression of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men, women, they will praise God for the obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. See, as the world says, the proof is in the pudding. I saw that someone posted this week about, I guess, chocolate-free pudding, or I don't know what that is. Amen? But I I know our children, they like real pudding. They like real chocolate chip cookies with real sugar, real butter, and all the works. Amen? Amen. By the service by which you have proved, say proved, Proved. yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience. Say "Obedience." obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Chapter 8, Paul talks about grace, the grace of giving. Chapter 9, he says again, the grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Go back to chapter 8, just as you excel in everything in faith In speech, in love, in earnestness. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. See, our our Heavenly Father, He loves us. Whatever the needs are, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the difficulty is, He wants it out of our lives, He wants it need met, He wants it answered, He wants the mountain moved, He wants us to walk in His blessing, to walk in His abundance. Jesus paid the price. He wants us to walk in his blessing. But see, we have to excel in a particular grace. And what grace is that? The grace of giving. And go back to that earlier point, because in our lives, we determine our harvest. And that's why you go to chapter eight. Paul reminds us that Jesus did what he did for us. He became poor so that we, through his poverty, we might become rich God's plan works but we have to work his plan and he uses that word might because not everyone excels in the grace of giving some choose to not excel in that grace at all and some choose to excel in that grace more than ever, others amen but in 2020 we ought to excel in living by faith we ought to excel in walking by faith and not by fear amen we ought to excel in walking in love We ought to excel in speaking the truth in love. And when the the natural inclination because of the news is to cut back and to withhold and to put the brakes on everything, our attitude ought to be, Heavenly Father, your word is true. And so I'm gonna excel in the grace of giving even more. And as I said last Sunday, I believe that if we'll do that, we'll walk in either either will walk in even greater blessing in 2021. Amen. Do you receive it? So say, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that all things are possible. I thank you for helping me and my life to excel in the grace of giving, not just with you, but with my family, with my children, with those in need, Thank you for helping me to excel in the grace of giving so that I may walk in your blessing and be even more blessed in 2021. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because He loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.